This podcast contains content and language not suitable for some listeners. Welcome to Oddities and Curiosities, a podcast about murder, the paranormal, and other oddities sure to pique your curiosity. We are Amanda and Brittany. And this is episode eight. It is eight. Eight. Holy crap. We're almost at ten. Moving on up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. I'm going to throw a little tune in there somewhere. Why not? So, oh, so what is episode eight? Angels, Angels of Mercy. Mercy. It's yes. a good one, y'all. Uh, they're, oh, they're all, all good. good ones, we say that every time, but... but. <laughs> real slow so it's hump day hump day miss Brittany. what do we have okay so today we decided to go old school beer and pizza yes bitch because so, we can do that too uh-huh. we're not always bougie right <laughs> i mean well it's kind of bougie beer and pizza shh just tell them what it is okay <laughs> So we decided to uh, get pizza from a place local to us here in Shreveport called Pop-In Pizza. Yummy. If you are from here and you have not tried it, you are missing out. So we got from them uh, their pizza. They just call it the meat pizza. You see my happy dance? I I do. I wish I had a video (laughs) camera. No. (laughs) No. No. Can't wait to show the world. Shut up. Um. But this pizza has pepperoni and sausage and uh, beef, bacon, Canadian bacon. It has all the things. Mm-hmm. All the meaty things. All the yummy stuff. And it's delicious. And they also have what they call their injected breadsticks. And it is a delightful breadstick that they cut in half and they inject it with like a nacho cheese sauce. Yeah. Y'all. <laughs> I had an accident. Y'all. Amanda did have an accident earlier. She had to change her shirt. Shut up. There were issues. <laughs> anyway. It's so good, though. It was so worth it. I don't yes. even care. That's like, I could just eat that for dinner. <laughs> They're that uh, good. Yeah. With the beer route, we decided to uh, go with a local brewery that we have here called Great Raft. Mm. And we are drinking their Life Itself Vanilla Peach Ghost. It's delicious. Delicious. It is so good. It's sweet, but not too sweet. No. Oh, my God. And it's got a little bit of a sour to it. Yeah, like the aftertaste is oh a little, like, a little sour. It's it's delicious. It's not overpowering peach, not overpowering mm-hmm. vanilla. It's just subtle, yummy goodness. It's like a perfect summer beer. Oh, yeah. This is definitely coming by the pool with me. Mm-hmm. Yes, delicious. Mm-hmm. So you guys should check those two places out: Pop In Pizza and Great Ref Brewery. Speaking of checking things out, go to our Facebook page and our Insta. Check out the photos that we post for the episodes. Yes, do that. We have encountered, you know who you are, <laughs> a work friend who does not look at the pictures when he listens. Oh, oh, we got him though. We got him. He's yes. he's on Instagram now. Okay. I made sure he followed it. He did it right in front of me. Don't do that, guys. Don't like, be you're really hurting yourself. Don't be a bow. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
you've been called out. <laughs> Don't be a bow. Go look at the pictures. <laughs> okay, so if you want to go look at the pictures, go to Facebook on Oddities and Curiosities Podcast, on Insta at Oddities and Curiosities Pod. We're on Twitter, but we don't post the episode pics on there. Yeah, don't. That's just more like fun stuff. That's too much. Yeah. Do we want to jump right into it? Let's do it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Before I get into my case, I just kind of want to talk a little bit about what an angel of mercy is. Yes. They are a type of serial killer who is typically employed as some sort of caregiver, um, a nurse or somebody that sits with an elderly or a doctor, you know, something of that sort. They intentionally harm or kill the people under their care. Most angels of mercy are female, but not always. They typically will use a more passive means to kill, such as medications. There are three types of angels of mercy. The first usually believes they are truly helping the victim by ending their suffering for them. Others do it to play hero and will attempt to resuscitate their victims. Lastly, some kill for the power, you know, to hold life and death in their hands, Mm -hmm. or as a mode of mental stimulation. They're bored. Sure. Sounds like good enough reasons for me. Mm Mm-hmm. So, (laughs) my case... Is on the Lane's Angels of Death. Yes, ma'am. I am going to try to pronounce these names correctly. (laughs) Y'all. But (laughs) since they are Austrian, I may have a little bit of an issue. Keep the Louisiana accent. I can't help it. It's there. (laughs) Okay, so. Waltrod Wagner. (laughs) Stop. (laughs) Irene Liedolf, Maria Gruber, and Stefania Mayer were nurses' aides at the Lanes General Hospital in Lanes, Vienna, Austria. So, if you want to go to the notes yes. and see what they look like real quick. I do. So, you have faces to put. If you look at the one picture that says Lanes Angels of Death, all four of them are there. Oh. So, you've got Maria Gruber with the mullet cut, the curly mullet. Waltrod Wagner with her uh, giant serial killer glasses. (laughs) Yes. One of them has to have them. Of course. Stefania Mayer. um, She just looks like an angry mama, to be honest with you. She looks like she smokes a lot of cigarettes. Oh, I bet she has a raspy voice. (laughs) She's got that look about her. (laughs) And... Irene Leadoff with the very unfortunate bangs. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I mean, they all got the 80s hair well, or whatever. It you, was 1989. Oh, no, so, okay. There, you, there we go. Nailed but it. Yeah, that's what they look like. The Lanes General Hospital was built in 1839 and is considered to be one of the largest in Vienna. So if you want to go back to the notes really quickly... And look at a picture of the hospital. It is gorge. Holy crap. I know. (laughs) It's beautiful. Okay. I want to go there. (laughs) I mean, not. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It would be a really pretty apartment complex. (laughs) I could so drink wine on one of those balconies. Yeah. Uh, In a heartbeat. Okay. Okay. 
So, um, from here on out, I'll be referring to them by their last names because, consequently, those are easier to pronounce. Yeah. (laughs) Go for it. (laughs) So, Wagner, 23, became a nurse because she wanted to help people and ease their pain and suffering. She chose to work in Pavilion 5 at the hospital, which housed the elderly and terminal patients. It would soon be known as the Death Pavilion or Murder Station. Great. <laughs> the Death Pavilion. Oh my God, I love that. It was inevitable working in this pavilion that she would encounter patients who would rather die than face any more agony. One day, she was moved by a 77-year-old woman who was begging to be put out of her misery to give a second thought to assisting her patients in death. She decided to go for it, and she was the first of the four women to kill in 1983. Wagner administered a lethal dose of morphine and said that the look of serenity in her patient's face as she died let her know that she did the right thing. She looked at this ability as a powerful gift. I guess the ability to kill people. Mm. As a powerful gift. Okay. After Wagner performed her, quote, acts of kindness on a few other patients, she realized it was too much to handle alone and would need some help. I mean, get consent. (laughs) (laughs) Wagner would recruit three women to assist her. Gruber, 19, had dropped out of nursing school and was desperately seeking approval from the cool older women. Aw. Leadoff, 21, was married to a, quote, brute of a man and was always looking for a reason to not go home. <laughs> what better come reason? On, come on. Y'all, y'all have been there. Everybody's been there. A brute of a man. I don't know why, but when I read that, I, like, <laughs> thought of Gaston. <laughs> I think, oh, my God. What's his name? Um, from Popeye. The big burly dude. Brutus. Brutus. <laughs> Yeah. Him. <laughs> That's pretty fitting. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> and then uh, lastly, Mayor, 43, who they affectionately called their house mother, enjoyed being included with the young vivacious girls. Wagner taught her recruits proper techniques for a su- successful mercy killing. They eventually started using insulin and rohypnol, the date rape drug, Mm -hmm. in addition to morphine. Supplies began to dwindle, so they had to devise a new plan. They would come up with the water cure. One woman would hold the patient's chin and pinch their nose shut, while the other would pour water down their throat until they drowned in their bed. What? No. It's the water cure. No. Okay. (laughs) Since elderly patients often had fluid in their lungs, it was an unprovable crime. I'm not okay with that. I'm not well, okay with it. There's going to be a lot that you're not okay with. Yeah, I know. I signed up for it, though. Yeah. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> you said yes. I did. I did say yes. God damn it. Go. <laughs> I love every minute of it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and I'm not making her say that. No, it's true. She's not. She's really not holding me down and pinning my arm behind my back right now. Not right now. I promise. We're I'm too far away from each yeah. other. <laughs> Wagner soon realized she enjoyed playing God and holding the power of life and death. She began to widen the definition of, quote, patient in need 
That's mm. what she would call them, the ones that she was going to assist mm. mm-hmm. in death, the patient in need. It was no longer just terminal patients that were graced with their assistance. Any patients with annoyances, such as bedwetting, refusal to take medication, or pressing the nurse's button too often, would receive the water cure. She would say that the patient was, quote, getting a ticket to God. So, like, she would pass... They, she would pass the other women in the hallway or meet him at the nurse's station and be like, okay, you know, Bethel in room 22C is getting her ticket to God tonight. Fuck. Okay. Yeah. Uh. <sighs> Wagner always carried out the water cure herself with the help of one of her recruits to make sure it was done properly. Okay, dude. How, it, how it, you going to fuck up drowning somebody in their bed? Why do you need... Why do you need to make sure it's done properly? I don't understand. Uh, don't miss the mouth. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. Make sure it's done sufficiently, like all the way. It sounds like Wagner has control issues. Maybe. Maybe a little bit. This may be a little bit of a mean girls group. She's Regina. <gasps> She's the Regina George. <laughs> She's totally Regina. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. I could just, I, I could continue understanding if patients were begging for it and they were doing it with morphine the nice way. But this, this is, this, this, no. It's torture. This is, yeah, that's awful. Rumors began to spread about the abnormally high death rate in Pavilion 5. The hospital was criticized in 1988 for meeting investigators with, quote, a wall of silence. When they were looking into a suspicious death at the family's insistence. So the hospital just, like, was not talking. Okay. They weren't giving investigators the time of day. The women were eventually caught after they were overheard boasting about their latest victim while drinking in a local tavern one night. God damn. Of course they were. Bitches, shut shut up. Shut Shut up. Shush. The man who overheard them was a doctor at the hospital, and he went straight to the police. After a six-week investigation, the women were arrested April 7th, 1989. Dr. Xavier Pezendorf, who was the doctor in charge of Pavilion 5, was suspended for mass negligence, obviously. Because how do you not notice what's happening in your own ward? Yeah, that has to be noticeable. Yeah, every time these four women work together, you know, at least one person dies. Yeah. Ultimately, the group would confess to 49 murders over six years, but it could, but they could have been responsible for up to 200 deaths. Of course, the three accomplices immediately threw Wagner under the bus, stating it was all her doing. <laughs> because why wouldn't you? That kind of fits. She did it! <laughs> In 1991, Wagner was convicted of 15 murders, 17 attempts, and two accounts of assault. She was sentenced to life in prison. Leadoff was convicted of five murders and was also sentenced to life in prison. Mayer received 20 years and Gruber 15 years for manslaughter and attempted murder charges. If you want to go look at the notes, I have one last picture of three of the women at the trial. To me, it looks like Wagner on the right with her serial killer glasses Mm -hmm. and Gruber in the middle with her unfortunate uh, mullet-style haircut. Okay, I love the hat, though. I'm kind of digging it. It's like a little flight attendant hat. <laughs> it kind of looks like what she's wearing. 
and then that looks like lead off on the left there. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. Mm-hmm. That was my guesstimate. She doesn't want to be pictured. Mm-mm. In 2008, the Justice Ministry in Austria released Wagner and Leadoff for good behavior. Mayer and Gruber had already been released and assumed new identities. So they're all out of jail. As of 2008, they all got out. Yay, Justice! (laughs) (laughs) Just have this goofy smile on my face like, what the fuck? (laughs) Damn, damn. It was kind of a short one this week. I couldn't find a whole lot of details, but I mean, they use the same methods over and over again mm-hmm. and only admitted to a fraction of their crimes. Like, yeah, that, that was, I like it. I know. That was a really good one. Thank you. Yeah. Nicely done, ma'am. Thanks. Well, <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to cut it down. I did, but this one, this, oh my God, it was I did it again. This one's so good. I had to Ooh, include she all. She did it again. <laughs> Free Brittany. <laughs> oh, let's side note on that real quick. Oh, ooh. <laughs> okay. Oh, shit. So, <laughs> of course, I'm part of the Free Brittany movement. Yes, ma'am. And my husband is scrolling through Facebook the other day, which he doesn't get on... To give him a little bit of credit, he doesn't get on there very often, so he misses some stuff. But he turns and looks at me and says, what's this shit with Britney Spears? Oh, my God. Where have you been? Do we live in the same house? Apparently not. And then I had to go through the whole thing (sighs) and watch him look at me like this. Sorry, she y'all can't see the face. She did get representation, though. So I'm I know. super excited for that. I know. And when we were in New Orleans, there's a shop we didn't get to go to, but I saw on their Facebook page. What? We didn't get to go into Flirty Girl like we wanted oh, to. Oh, we didn't. They had a shirt that has the convertible oh, for yeah. Girls on it that says, uh, get in, loser, we're going to Free, free Britney. Yes. Oh, I forgot about that. We should order Damn those it. shirts. Or we should just go back. I think we need to make another trip to New Orleans <laughs> to pick up some free Britney shirts. Okay. I'm adding that on our list of things to do. Hey, flirty girl, save us some. Yes. Because they're probably all gone. <laughs> Stop. We should probably order them. Ready? I'm ready. My dude. Y'all just get ready. It's a lot of info. It's a lot of dates, but it's it's good shit. Okay? So, here we go. Donald Harvey, born in Butler County, Ohio in 1952, is an American serial killer who claims to have murdered 87 people. Yikes. Yeah. The official estimates of the number of people he murdered range anywhere from 36 to 57 deaths. He is a self-professed angel of death. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. You want to see Donnie, as he's referred to? Of course. Okay. Go to the picture that says Donnie. Oh, I love how specific that is. Yeah. <laughs> he has got some crazy eyes going on. Oh, my gosh. Well, this was taken at, like, when, at one of his trials, but it's, it's, I like it. He looks a bit surprised. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I like the hair, though. If you like that hair, <laughs> I have some pictures of my dad to show you. <gasps> oh, my God, yes. Yes. Blackmail. 
Yes. Blackmail right there. I can show you some very similar hair on my dad <laughs> with a mustache. Okay, her dad's also our boss. Yes. <laughs> so this is going to be These great. These pictures exist and might possibly circulate on Facebook. I don't know yet. Oh, he'd throw a fit over that. They can't circulate on Facebook. We'll find a way. We will find a way to get them Hey, to I you, shared y'all. the picture of him and Jeff Stewart in their softball oh, uniforms. The short shorts. I'm the daughter. I can do it. Okay, we're at least going to post that one. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you have that one? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Anyway. Okay. So shortly after his birth, Harvey's parents relocated to Boonville, Kentucky. Yes, I can use that That was a great Kentucky accent. I'm from the South. I can do that. Wow. A small community nestled away on the eastern slopes of the Appalachian Mountains. In an August 1987 interview with a Cincinnati Post reporter, Harvey's mother, Goldie, recalled that her son, I just love her name, recalled that her son was brought up in a loving family environment and that he had always been such a good boy. His principal in elementary school even said that Donnie was a very special child to her. He was always clean and well-dressed with his hair trimmed. He was a happy child, very sociable and well-liked by the other children. So, clean, well-dressed kids are the good ones? I guess. I know lots of clean, well-dressed kids that That are are not not the good ones. ones. (laughs) She also said he was a handsome boy with big brown eyes and dark curly hair. He always had a big smile for me. There was never any indication of any abnormality. You want to see a picture of young Donnie? Sure. He's kind of adorable. It says young Donnie. (laughs) Oh, <laughs> he's doing that fake kid yearbook picture smile. I know. That's great. He was actually a cute kid. He was much cuter as a kid. Yeah. Former classmates of Harvey described him as a loner and a teacher's pet. He rarely participated in extra extracurricular extracurricular. <laughs> I hate words. <laughs> extracurricular activities. He just wanted to read books and dream about the future. I mean, Jesus. Don't we all? Don't we all? Don't we all, young Donnie? Get with it. (laughs) Smack him with reality. Following his graduation from Sturgeon Elementary School, Harvey entered Boonville High School in 1968. He got A's and B's. Like, he was a smart dude. Uh, But he he became bored because it was all so easy for him, so he dropped out. Because he was going to school in Boonville, Kentucky. Hey, it sounds like a good place to me. Wow. Did you go to school in Boonville, Kentucky? No. <laughs> sounds no. like a good place to me. <laughs> yeah, so he got bored and he dropped out. And so since he had no real goals and, you know, was just kind of chilling, wondering what to do with his newfound freedom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For unknown reasons, he eventually decided to relocate to Cincinnati, Ohio, where he secured a job at a local factory. I got beer on my laptop. No. Just a little dot right there. (laughs) Blow it off. Blow it off. I got it. I got it. It didn't get in any cracks. (laughs) You don't like beer in your crack? (laughs) I mean... Get out my personal business, but... <laughs> I don't need to know all that. Cut that shit out. No, no, no. Don't put that in the episode. 
Don't know what I need to be talking about your butt crack. <laughs> I don't need y'all on my crack. <laughs> Keep my crack at your mouth. <laughs> okay. All right, I'm ready. Okay. In 1970, work began to slow at the plant, and Harvey was eventually laid off. His mother called him a few days later and asked him to travel to Kentucky and visit his ailing grandfather, who was recently placed in a hospital there. Harvey agreed, and within days, he set off for Marymount Hospital in London, Kentucky. In London, Kentucky? Yeah. There's a London, Canada. Canada. (laughs) So we need to go on a London world tour, it sounds like. There's a London, a London Canada. <laughs> oh, Canada. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a London, Kentucky. There's a London, Canada. And there's a London, England. So, while in Kentucky, Harvey spent a lot of time there at the hospital and was well liked. And known by all the nuns who work there. So, he soon got offered a job as an orderly. Yeah. Why not? Harvey's duties required him to spend hours alone with patients. And most of his duties included changing bedpans, inserting catheters, and passing out medications. Ew. Yeah. I don't want to insert catheters when I'm a grown-up. I've done it. It's not that hard. Ew. I don't want to. Yeah. It, I don't know. It's just kind of like... Just the like, word catheter freaks me out. I know. But, I don't know. It's just, it... I looked at it as more as like a procedure instead of a person. I didn't look at her face. I just put it in. <laughs> I told her to take a deep I breath. Didn't, I didn't look at her face. I just put it in. Are you a 20-year-old club kid? What are we doing here? Told her to take a deep breath. <laughs> you said all of those words I and did. did not get it. <laughs> it's like, why are you looking at me with big eyes? What is going on here? Oh, yeah. So. Anywho. <laughs> Anywho. Here we go. Harvey's first few weeks at the hospital were uneventful, but something snapped in him along the way. Uh, to this day, um, Criminal psychologists are unable to explain, like, what the fuck went on in his brain that just made him, like, all of a sudden decide to go on this murderous spree. So, during an evening shift just months after starting at the hospital, Donald Harvey committed his very first murder. Yeah. Uh, Want to know what he did? Uh-huh. So, years later, in an interview with a Cincinnati Post reporter, Harvey described it. Yes. These are his words. Okay. When he walked into a private room to check on a stroke victim, the patient rubbed feces in his face. That's why he snapped. I mean, that would kind of, mm, You don't put shit on somebody's face. I'm not about that laugh. No, that's not okay. So, Harvey got angry and lost all control. He says... That, okay, now this is, like, directly from him. The next thing I knew, I'd smothered him, he said. It was like it was the last straw. I just lost it. I went in to help the man, and he wants to rub that in my face. I mean, I get you, dude. I I, I get it. I don't know about murdering him, but... Following the murder, Harvey cleaned up the patient and hopped into the shower before notifying the nurses. No one ever questioned it, he said. 
What did he say happened? Okay. I don't know. There's no telling. I mean, it was a stroke victim or a stroke patient, so maybe he had a stroke. Just three weeks after committing that murder, he killed again when he disconnected an oxygen tank at an elderly woman's bedside. As the weeks went by, no one detected foul play for that murder. Harvey became more cocky. He used various items such as plastic bags, morphine, and a variety of drugs to kill more than a dozen patients in a year. Wow. It's like one a month. In one case, he chose an exceptionally brutal method. The patient um, had an argument with Harvey because he thought that Harvey was trying to kill him. I mean, duh. (laughs) He was. Perceptive. (laughs) Yeah. But during that argument, he knocked Harvey out with a bedpan. So after Harvey recovered... He waited till later that night and snuck into the patient's room and stuck a coat hanger through his catheter. (gasps) No. As a result of the puncture, infection set in and the man died a few days later. Yes, severely messed up. In the actual. Oh, yeah. Hold on. (laughs) We're just getting started, baby. In March of 1971, a drunken disorderly Harvey was arrested for burglary of what I don't freaking know. While being questioned about the crime, Harvey began babbling about his murders that he had committed. Um, But the arresting officers looked into his claims and questioned him about them, but they really didn't find any substantial evidence to back them. So, What about all the dead people? There was no substantial evidence, so they couldn't relate any of the crimes to him. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, A few weeks later, he went to trial for the burglary. And pled guilty to a reduced charge of petty theft. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, he only paid a small fine for his crime. And Harvey Harvey decided that it was time to move on for another change of scenery. So, he joined the United States Air Force. Nice. Mm -hmm. He served less than a year before he received a general discharge in 1972. Don't they all do that? His records left unspecified grounds for the discharge, but it was widely rumored at the time that his superiors had learned of his confessions to the Kentucky police and didn't want to deal with any of that shit. They just decided to let him go. Wait, they didn't just want to sweep it under the rug? No, they Hmm. just decided not to mess with this one. I mean, he got that whole creepy eye thing going. I don't know. He He does got some crazy eyes. Yeah. Um, So after he was released, he started to battle depression By July, he was unable to control his inner demons and decided to commit himself to the Veterans Administration Medical Center in Lexington, Lexington, Kentucky. He getting around. Mm -hmm. Harvey remained in the mental ward of the facility until August, but then admitted himself um, a few weeks later after he was released that time. uh, After he committed or tried to commit suicide. In the hospital, he was actually placed in restraints over the course of the next few weeks and received 21 electroshock therapy treatments. Ah. Yeah, man. In October, he was released, but his mother, like, condemned the hospital for releasing her son so quickly. Go, Mom. Yeah. Queen. I mean, she didn't feel that he showed any signs of improvement. I mean, mother's women's intuition, perhaps. Goldie's a queen. Goldie's a queen. She knows what she's talking about. They should have kept his ass there. Because then, concealing his record, Harvey found work as a part-time nurse's aide at Cardinal Hill Hospital in Lexington. Yep. 
In the same town. In the same town. Uh, he added a second nursing job at Lexington's Good Samaritan Hospital, remaining in that position through January of 1974. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I can't. <laughs> he kept... Like, between, like, 74 and 75, he kept his killing urge in check, but it became more difficult for him to manage, and it drove him away from home back to Cincinnati. Yep, there he goes again. So, from September of 75 through July of 85, he held a variety of positions at the Cincinnati VA Medical Center. He worked as a nursing assistant, a housekeeping aide, a cardiac catheterization technician, and an autopsy assistant? What the? F- this dude didn't even graduate high school. Right. What are like, y'all how doing? How he getting all this shit? Okay. Was when he was an autopsy assistant, he sometimes sold tissue samples from them and took them home for study. Oh, my unquote. fuck. Oh, my fuck. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In the early 1980s, um, it brought about various methods for Harvey. Outside of work, he sometimes practiced on his live-in lover, Carl Howler. Howweller? Looks like Howweller. Howweller? Yeah. Whatever. It's Kentucky. It's Howweller. (laughs) Um, He'd poison him after an argument and then, like, nurse him back to health. Ah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Donnie also poisoned Carl's parents. His father survived, but his mother did not. He killed his boyfriend's mom? Yep. Mm-hmm. Dude, I can't even. Oh, he was he was starting to feel, like, pretty unstoppable. Even on one occasion, following an argument with a female neighbor, he laced one of her drinks with hepatitis serum, and it nearly killed her, but she was um, diagnosed and treated before that. With another neighbor, she wasn't so lucky. Uh, he put arsenic in one of her pies, and she died later that week. Oh, my gosh. Did he perhaps read any documents about the teacup poisoner? I don't know. (laughs) He did do his research. I'll put it that way. Mm. He he knew what he was doing. I'm going to have to watch myself around you. Me? No. You always do these poisoners. Are you learning things from the poisoners? Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) I'll never tell. (laughs) That was creepy. (laughs) (laughs) So he murdered at least 15 patients while he was at the VA. Yeah, but he went from, like, poison. Once he was joking around with ward nurses after a patient's death, he was like, I got rid of that one for you. Did you a favor? Like, he he thought he was doing everybody a favor, kind of like with yours. If they were a difficult patient, he would kill them and be like, I got rid of that one. He thought it was, um, you know, mercy mercy killings. He even uh, would, like, poison some of his fellow co-workers just out of spite. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, he wouldn't kill them, but he would poison them just enough to get them sick and shit. He had the God complex. Oh, he definitely had the God complex. He freaking loved it. Um, oh, Donnie. Oh. He, <laughs> this, this might explain some of his mental status. In 1985, he was caught leaving work with a suspicious satchel. Inside, security guards guards found a 38 caliber pistol, hypodermic needles, surgical scissors and gloves, a cocaine spoon, 
two blocks of occult lore and a biography of a serial killer. <laughs> okay, <laughs> which one? Which one? Did it say which one? <laughs> no. Damn it. <laughs> it I makes know. all the difference I'll have in the to world. Go I don't know. Um, uh, I don't have the article with me. It may have. I may have just, like, tried to. That's okay. It. I got the Google. I can do it. Okay. <laughs> So, um, he was released with a $50 fine and forced to resign from his job for that one. A $50 fine. $50 fine. Well, I mean, back, well, I was going to say like way back in 1985, that was, I mean, that still really wasn't that bad. $50 fine. Mm-hmm. Oh, he didn't stop. Don't worry. He kept going. Seven months later, Harvey once again got to work at a local hospital. This time he was hired as, um, that's when he worked for the Cincinnati Drake Memorial Hospital full-time. And his new employers were unaware of anything that went on in his previous job, like none of his records, nothing. His work folder only said really good things about him. Did he write the work folder? I think so. Mm -hmm. I don't know. (laughs) I have no idea. (laughs) Um, So because of that, he earned a full-time position at the hospital and settled back into his old routine. Over the next 13 months, he murdered another 23 patients by disconnecting life support machines, injecting air into veins, suffocation, and injections of arsenic, cyanide, and petroleum-based cleaners. Okay. Authorities finally became suspicious of Harvey in April of 1987 after the death of John Powell, a patient who was comatose for several months but had started to recover. Um, during the autopsy, an assistant coroner noticed the faint smell of almonds, which is, it's a tail sign of cyanide. Oh. Yeah. See, you are learning shit. Learning shit. shit learning shit. Y'all are too now. Ha ha. Ha ha. You're learning and you don't even know it. Sneaking it into y'all's little brains. Well, well, learning is fun. <laughs> Knowledge is power. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> the more you know. <laughs> Shit. Okay. So, since authorities were unable to find any evidence or motive pointing towards Howell's friends or family members, they began to look at hospital employees and anybody that had access to Powell's room. The list was short. And upon learning Donald Harvey's hospital nickname, the Angel of Death, um, (laughs) (laughs) like, people noticed this shit because they gave him this nickname because he always seemed to be around when somebody died. It's like, would y'all put two and two together? Put two and two together. So they started to focus on him. There you go. Good job. Good job. Good job. Uh, So John Powell's death was ruled as a murder. Autopsy results did find lethal doses of cyanide in his system, and he was arrested in April, charged with one count of aggravated murder, and held under a $200,000 bond. And when he filed a plea of not guilty, um, it was for reason of insanity. Of course. Mm-hmm. Oh, here he goes. He um, He's very prideful and just started fessing up. He wanted to take credit for his work. He did. In August, he pled guilty in Cincinnati on 24 counts of aggravated murder, four counts of attempted murder, and one count of felonious assault. A 25th guilty plea four days later earned him a total of four consecutive life sentences. 
barring a parole for the first 80 years of his term. But for good measure, the court also levied like another $270,000 worth of fines against Harvey. So, I mean, they had no hope of collecting a penny, but they just were piling all the shit on. Yeah. Moving on to Kentucky, Harvey confessed to a dozen Marymount slayings in September. He entered a formal guilty plea on nine counts of murder in November. He broke John Wayne Gacy's record for accumulated victims. Harvey earned another eight life terms plus 20 years just for that. Wow. He was still not finished. Yep. (laughs) We're getting there. Back in Cincinnati during February of 1988, he entered guilty pleas on three more homicides and three attempted murders, drawing three life sentences plus three terms of seven to 25 years on the latter charges. You can see his mugshot? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I do. It says mugshot. That <laughs> so obvious. Like, he looks happy. Okay. He honestly really doesn't look like he gives a shit. He's like, yeah, I'm He here. doesn't give any shits about anything. Mm-mm. And if you zoom in, he his, he's wearing them crazy eyes. Oh, my gosh. He's got them. They are penetrating. I know. Yeah. It's like he's Piercing the me. soul right there. Ugh. So, with 37 confirmed murder victims and confessions nearly tripling that body count, he holds the official record as America's most prolific serial killer. Wow. Yeah. He was the very first angel of mercy in the U.S., actually. Wow. Yeah. Um, I have another picture of him. Made history. (laughs) He got the glasses and the mustache this time. He's aged a little bit. He got his kit. He did. He finally got his kit. Wow. I mean, that the glasses and mustache aren't doing him any favors. No, he looks like a totally different person. <laughs> yep. In a 1991 interview with a reporter from the Columbus Dispatch, Harvey gave a rare glimpse into his mindset. You ready for this? Mm-hmm. Why did you kill? Well... People controlled me for 18 years, and then I controlled my own destiny. I controlled other people's lives, whether they lived or died. I had that power to control. They asked him, what right did you have to decide that? After I didn't get caught for the first 15, I thought it was my right. I appointed myself judge, prosecutor, and jury, so I played God. Mm-hmm. Well... On July of 2001, the Associated Press printed an article listing the worst serial killers in the United States. I've already told you that he was rated number one, followed by John Wayne Gacy, Patrick Kearney, Bruce Davis, and Dean Coral. So anyways, so where is he now? You may ask. (laughs) Tell me. He did. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) He was beaten to death in his prison cell in Toledo, Ohio in 2015 by fellow inmate James Elliott. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Elliott grew up in Kentucky near some relatives of his victims and he was familiar with that shithead did and he decided to punch and stomp him to death. I have a picture of James Elliott too. (laughs) Okay. Let's do that. Okay. (laughs) Is it the one that says James James Elliott? Elliott. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Why? Yes, it is. What in the fuck is that on his chin? Is that uh, an airplane tattoo? That's what it looks oh, like. Oh, honey. Ay, ay, ay. Yeah. I can't. So. Is, is the teardrop from him killing Donnie? 
I don't know. <laughs> Is that how um, he earned his teardrop? <laughs> well, he did some bad stuff to get in there, too. Like, he was a murderer as well. But, I mean, I think a teardrop is when you... Does that mean you kill somebody in prison? Or just know. you've killed somebody, period? I don't know. We're going to have to Google that, too. Yeah. We need to be making a run of, we need to know list this. of things we should Google. I should know this. I do know this. It's just... I'm having a brain fart. It's it's fine. We just know he it's killed fine. somebody. For sure. And he's got an airplane tattooed on his chin. <laughs> See, this is the very reason why you should be looking at the pictures. Yes. Shit like this. Yeah, you know you wanna. Go do it, Bo. <laughs> Look at the pictures, Bo. Damn it. Okay, okay. We're good. We're hey, fine. We're take fine. a deep breath. That's it. It's That's fine. episode eight. That's it. Done. That's all we got. See, it wasn't that bad. No. Okay. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. Not a fan of Donnie. Not, not, not a fan of him at all. Like... Do new as shit, though. Apparently. Yeah. Lots of poisons. We're going to have to get you on a different topic. I'm going to... Well, I mean, <laughs> next week is a totally different topic. True seas. Oh. Next week... Okay, so we've been doing a lot of true crime. And this is supposed to be, you know, true crime. Everything the paranormal odd. and other oddities sure to pique your curiosity. So... <laughs> it is? I had no idea. I know. <laughs> So, we've only done one paranormal episode, so we're yeah, going to be... Yeah, it was just a little. I know, it was just a little bit. So, we're going to be a little bit more diligent in mixing things up here in the future, so we've got some fun stuff coming coming towards you. Of course, we're not leaving the true crime behind, but... Yeah, the research for the next one is freaking me the fuck out. I'm not going to lie. Like, mm-hmm. I can't... <laughs> it's got me a little creeped out. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. It's fine. Somebody hold my hand. <laughs> I mean... I'm we're, probably going to have to spend the night with Amanda the day we do that episode, but it's fine. It's, it's fine. Oh, God. Are you clutching your chest? <laughs> we're not even there yet. Thinking about the video that popped up earlier. <laughs> Brittany is way better with all this, okay? She's, she's better with that. I can't. I'm a big wuss. I used to be able to watch this stuff. I'll watch it now and just... It's too real. It's too real. <laughs> We're going to have to start singing Kumbaya. I'm going to sage my house on a daily basis during this one. I'm telling you. You should. I gave you a brand new stick. I know. And I used it. And okay. it's fantastic. Okay. Ooh. Update. Like, I couldn't tell anybody while I was doing this, but I burned my candle from the House of Hoodoo. Yay. The It was a crown of success candle. You're not supposed to tell anybody while you're doing it because... Um, negative thoughts can affect it. Like if anybody wishes, like, well, I don't want her to have success. Da 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 da. Um, the candle's working. It's working. It's been fabulous. a great week. That's it's fabulous. been a great week. Yeah, I have yet to open my goodies for a multitude of reasons, but as soon as I do, I will update everybody. Girl, dude, do your shit. I bought my house. I am getting along with my kid. It's great. I had a fantastic hair day. I'm just saying. Her hair does look really cute today. <laughs> I haven't had a really good hair day in a very long time. I'm loving it. We're like night and day right now. I know. Our hair is like night and day. But we both in our PJs, so it's fine. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, before we continuously ramble, because we've had a lot of great rap this evening. Yeah. Y'all know what y'all could, like, really do if you really love us? <sighs> yeah. Y'all could go to Apple. And go rate and review us. If you own an iPhone, iPad, 
Mm-hmm. It's this little purple Any of the eyes. looking box. <laughs> Go to the podcast app. Even if you choose to listen to it another way. At the least only, go rate and review us. Yes, the only place you can rate and review us is on Apple. And that would mean so much to us, and it would help us out so much if y'all could just go. Even if you don't want to take the time to write a two-sentence review. Which, just rate it. Yeah, just rate it. But, I mean, the reviews would make me really happy. I mean, we yeah, we like hearing all the positive feedback, but, like, mm-hmm. seeing it in print. It's just, yeah. It's there forever. Yeah. <laughs> we may give you a... On air, thank you. Uh, yeah. You want to be shouted out? Yeah. Go do that. Go do that. That would that make is so a surefire extra, way. super happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So go do that. Go follow us on all the stuffs. Yes. We got some thanks to give out. Me. Oh my gosh. This woman. <laughs> thank you, Amanda Hagens, <laughs> for your artwork. If I knew this was going to happen, I'd have hired somebody else. I'm just saying. But it's fabulous. You Whatever. It. You it's know, great. You I said love it. find a swamp theme, and I did. She did exactly what I asked of her. And it looks fabulous. Yeah, it does. I know. Thank you. <laughs> I loved it. Also, I, I truly loved it. I love doing that stuff. So. Okay. Craig also, Weaver. Yes, Craig Weaver. Huge shout out to you because we love our spooky music. And Stephen Gowetsky for the editing of this production. Thank you, sir. Yes. Y'all make sure you come back next week if you want to hear something a little bit different a than lot, what we've been doing different. lately. Yes, some more interesting, kicking it up a notch mm-hmm. with the spooky. Yeah. Come back next week. Yep, do that. All right. Have a good night. Yeah. Bye. Bye, you guys. <laughs>